Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UT. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Samson O'Malle begins Friday's show with a big package of African sports news. And Samson says he'll be tipping off with a basketball without borders camp in Egypt. Sporty Friday greetings, Samson. Sporty Friday greetings to you too, Sonny. We begin the wrap of the weekend African sports highlights with the 18th basketball without borders African camp. Camp, been organized by FIBA Africa, the International Basketball Federation FIBA, and the Egyptian Basketball Federation. 64 of the top boys and girls from 26 African countries will participate in the camp from August 28th to the 31st at the Hassan Musafa Indoor Sports Complex in Cairo, Egypt. The camp will mark the first time the NBA and FIBA's Global Basketball Development and Community Outreach Program will be held in Egypt and the first time on the continent since 2019 in Senegal. Nigeria American Youth Adjust Center Udoka Azubike shares his thoughts on his involvement with the Basketball Without Borders program. This is going to be my first time actually going to the camp. Actually, like, you know, I'm helping out. So I'm, I'm excited. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to, you know, working with the kids, working with people back home. Uh, I feel like it's going to be it's going to be awesome. And now to some handball news. Rwanda's capital, Kigali, is hosting the 29th edition of the Confederation of African Handball Africa Men's Junior Championship, which began on August 20th with 10 teams taking part. The event serves as qualification for the 2023 International Handball Federation Men's Junior Under-21 World Championship, which will be held in Germany and Greece. Tunisia has already booked qualification ticket for the semifinals of the competition after beating Rwanda and Angola. They will meet Algeria in the first semifinal on Friday. The second semifinal will be between Egypt and Angola. Roberto Garcia Parondo is Egypt's national handball coach. He says winning the championship is their goal. As you know, Egypt has a very good history handball. We aim to take that and win the championship. That's our target. And we work and we will fight for it. So we, we, we work step by step. And now to hockey. Zimbabwe national senior men's field hockey team is expected to get into camp this weekend for the final phase of their preparations for the Central South Africa tournament that begins next week in Harare. The tournament, which is serving as a qualifier for the African Games, is set to feature four countries, Malawi, Namibia, Zambia, and Zimbabwe. The competition begins on August 31st and runs up to September. September the 4th. And now to netball. The 2023 Netball World Cup qualifiers for the African region being hosted by South Africa will be concluded on Saturday the 27th of August. At the start of the event, two African nations had already qualified for next year's global showpiece, namely South Africa 
and Uganda. South Africa qualified on the basis that they are ranked fifth in the world and are host as well. There is now space for two African teams left for them to book their spot at the 2023 Netball World Cup. Cecilia Molokwane is Netball South Africa president. So to me, this one big tournament that says to Africans, this is your chance to, to want to qualify for the 2023 Netball World Cup that will be ho- you know, hosted in this country for the, for, for, uh, I mean, for the first time in, in the history of Netball. I mean, it will be 60 years next year that uh, the tournament has started and has never, ever played on the African soil. Malawi will square off with Zimbabwe on Friday in the first semi-final match, while South Africa will take on Zambia in the second semi-final match. And now to cricket. Host Kenya on Thursday lost by five wickets in the opening match of the five series 2020 encounters against Nepal at the Nairobi Gyamhana Club. Nepal, ranked 14th in the men's T20 world standings, won the toss and elected to field. Nepal's all-rounder, Sopal Kami, was named the man of the match. He took three wickets for 22 runs in their four overs outing. Kenya scored 130 for the loss of eight in 20 overs of their innings. Nepal's chase was successful, but tight, getting there at 113 for five in 19.2 overs. In rugby news, South Africa rugby Springboks coach Jack Nyamba is demanding a big step up from his side and is expecting an epic encounter against Australia on Saturday as both teams strive to bounce back after crushing defeats in the rugby championship. Coach Nyamba speaks of his players' selection and strategy ahead of the match. They, they know what goals they need to achieve. And sometimes they achieve that in 35 minutes. Sometimes they achieve it in 50 minutes. Sometimes they achieve it in, in 20 minutes, you know. But they, there's certain things that they will have to achieve. And the moment they achieve it, and we feel it's, uh, it's the right time tactically, then we, then we will uh, make a substitution. Springbok Lock, Lute Di Jaga, says they are ready to play for the fans back at home in South Africa. Um, and it's going to be good. It's the first time for us playing here in Adelaide. Um, I think there's, there's a lot of South Africans here as well. So to, to have South African people here supporting us would be, would be good as well. Um, and hopefully that will have a good impact on us uh, this week and going into the weekend. And now to Gambia, where that country's Minister of Youth and Sport, Bakari Badije, has explained why his wife received allowances for both the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England, and the Konya Islamic Games in Turkey amid waves of public criticism. A viral letter to Gambian National Olympic Committee dated the 21st of July instructed the payment of £200 per diem each day for 14 days to the minister's wife as an accompanying guest throughout the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham in England and Islamic Games in Konya, Turkey. However, the minister, Badije, has confirmed that his wife didn't travel to the Commonwealth Games because she was denied a visa, but she travelled to Turkey, yet she received allowances for both events. So like I said, um, the issue, the controversy has happened. Somebody decided to, to, get, to take out that um, document thinking it's an illegal thing, you know, just like how many majority of the people think. But the people that are responsible at the ministry level, at the GNOC level, have seen it to be a, a proper thing and in line with practices, and that is why uh, we accepted it. Otherwise, I mean, I wouldn't want to put myself into any situation that is going to cause the situation that I am now. I have always avoided that in the last almost two years that I've been minister. 
And now to women's football news. Africa Women's African Cup of Nations champions Banyana Banyana will face Brazil in two high-profile friendly matches to be played in South Africa next month. The two sides will meet in the first match at Orlando Stadium on Friday the 2nd of September and then face off in the second encounter three days later on Monday the 5th of September at a venue to be confirmed. The South Africa Football Association and the Brazilian Football Confederation confirmed the matches on Thursday. Staying with South Africa, the South African Football Association President Danny Jordan says the FIFA Football for Schools program will revive and develop grassroots football focusing on schools. Speaking at the launch of the program in Johannesburg, Jordan said the three-day training, which has over 50 educators and coaches participating, will assist in transmitting the methodology of schools football across the country. Sporting facilities at the schools, particularly in the rural areas, uh, must be addressed so that we have an equal chance and whether you are at a private school or a public school uh, you must have an equal chance to access the sport and the, the hurdle is lack of sporting facilities at the school and finally african reigning champion senegal remains top of africa and improved by two places from june global rankings despite dropping 8.86 points in the latest fifa rankings published on thursday though they are 18th in the world they remain number one in africa morocco is second in africa 23 in the world while tunisia is third but 30th in the world and nigeria occupies the 31st position in the world but fourth in africa while cameroon is 38th completing the top five thanks samson that's samson omale with another extra spicy package of african sports news you're listening to the sunny side of sports on the voice of america Prince Nesta caught up with a Sudan-born runner who competed for the athlete refugee team at this year's World Championships in Eugene, Oregon. My name is Jamal Abdul-Majid Issa. I come from Israel, but I'm originally from Sudan. I came to compete at 5,000 at uh, Oregon 22. Yeah. How did you end up in Israel from Sudan. So uh, I came to Israel before 11 years ago. There's world in Darfur, and I'm living Darfur in Sudan. But when in 2003, Jinjo killed my dad, uh, I left uh, my country and then I end up in Israel. Really sorry to hear that. Um, are you maintaining any sort of connection with folks back in Sudan? Uh, I still have connection with my mom, my two siblings, and my sister. And yeah, some of my friends, they used to live now. Some of them in the USA and some of them, they live in Israel also as well. So at the moment when I decide to leave, uh, there's people who helps you to, like you pay the people who's like helping you how to get wherever you want to go. First of all, ask somebody like and ask him how much it will cost me to go out of Sudan. And he told me everything is cost and what is cost and what to do. In the beginning, I was wondering when I was going to leave, I was wanting to leave to go to Canada. Then he told me, okay, the only way you can go to Canada, first you need to go to Israel. And after that, in Israel, you can go to Canada. So I came to Israel, and a couple of years, like I stayed in Israel, and life started going well. Have a lot, make friends. So you know, like when you come under age, uh, like when you come in the young age, and you make friends. So you know, like 
you join the live, you have fun with your friend and whatever it is. So, yeah, that's how I end up in Israel. Exactly. How did you discover your passion for athletics? This is a long story for real. Like, um, in 2014 or 13, something like that, I'm not sure. Um, one of my best friends, his name is Abdul, and he was not running. He was uh, studying in uh, school with the one of our superstar, the guys who start the club. And he told me he need to go to train with the LEU runner. And yeah, uh, I told him, I was like ignoring him a little bit, but at the end of the day, I listened to my friend, gave me, gave me some advice. And I said, okay, why not? I can try and see how it will go. Then I meet up the coach on the Park Aircon. The first time we went for Israel, he told me, you have to promise me you have to, you will come back to um, to the practicing. And I told him, yeah, I will. And I would uh, I promise him and everything. And a couple of days after, like I think weeks, after one week I went back. And on that time, yeah, until nowadays, I keep training with them and everything is going well. How did you end up, you know, uh, being one of the participants in the Oregon World Championships? So in the refugee athletes, they choosing the best. They taking like the best of six. So and uh, like some, I end up like in the top three, I think. And uh, there's the marathon guy, and there's the 100 meter, and then there's me, 5,000, and one was supposed to run stable chase and girls and like yeah, six people were supposed to come. But, um, you know, not everybody got a visa, and this was also including for the visa. So, yeah, uh, and, yeah, I ended up and I came to represent my, my people. Are there any athletes that you personally look up to? Uh, yeah, of course. Uh, let's say now, like, Mo Farah and Lopez Lamo. Lopez Lamo is my hero. Like, he's like me. He started from where I started. But, you know, in the end of the day, like, the legend is like Mofaro or Haile. They are the legend. And yeah. When you're not, you know, doing athletics and you just have some free time to relax, our listeners would like to find out. Uh, of course, in Israel, it's not, life is like different. Uh, so if I'm not at the train, training park or whatever it is, uh, my free time I'm going to like work or go to do like I have, I'm doing some course. So I go to study like. And that's what I'm doing in my free time, working or doing, studying a little bit of stuff. Mm. i never been to school, but, you know, I'm trying to learn some stuff. Yeah, what are you studying? Uh, I'm studying physio uh, to be a massage. I'm just doing the course, man. Yeah, yeah. nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. There could be someone listening to you right now, and, you know, they would like to be just like you, and possibly, you know, they would like to know how you ended up, especially working, you know, for, uh, you know, running for the refugee team. How how did they find you, or how did you find them? So, um, I life in Israel is a little bit complicated. Like, you need to work if you're, like, in the, the refugees in the Israel they're supposed to work, like, um, if you're not working, so there's nobody care about you. Like, even the government will not give you anything to, or they will not rent house for you. So if you're not working, the only one who can stand with you is, like, your friend. And if you don't have friends, you will end up, like, at the road, be homeless or whatever it is. Running and how I found them, 
Um, I just was running, and I enjoyed the Al Yutrana team. And in 2017, uh, Rotem um sent like request to the IOC, and they accept my request, and I became the part of the refugee team. And yeah, I went to represent the refugees around the world at the Tokyo. And yeah, that was the best one. Oh, you also represented refugees around the world at the Tokyo Olympics. How yeah. did that go for you? <laughs> uh, I mean, like, hopefully that one has gone well. I ran there like uh, I did my BBB, but I, I put all my, what I got, and but I didn't qualify. But yeah, I'm happy for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible, incredible stuff. And, you know, you are an inspiration. What's your message for athletes back in Africa, especially those living in refugee camps? Yeah, uh, 100%. Like, I just tell them, first of all, I know it's hard. But in the end of the day, like, if you put your mind on that thing or you want to make it, you can make it. Nothing is easy. But I'm promising you, like, that every, like everybody who's, like, a refugee, I know that life is tough. But if you want to make it something, just put your mind on it, and it's possible, man. Like, they can do it. And I'm telling you, like, make sure, like, you be being doing, like, the right thing. That's what I mean, like, after training, I know, like, you need to go to work or whatever it is, but this is the way I started. And today I'm here, like, and I didn't give up, like, being going uh, running after, after run, and I have to go to work. After work, I have to go to do another session. But, yeah, it's tough. You can get injured or whatever it is, but never give up. Boys, you can do it. Boys, you can do it and yeah. never give up. You need to train hard. It's this thing, it's like you seeing people running. You always, will just saying, okay, running is easy. Running is not easy. Running is really tough. Mm-hmm. And you need mentality, physically, whatever, everything in running, you need it. And if you want to be, like, the best, you have to work hard. Like, go twice a day for training, even easy. Every day you have to go twice a day for running. And, you know, even though pain not gain, so that's the point. You have to get on that pain well, and then, yeah. I'm pretty sure that there is going to be a lot of uh, Sudanese people, you know, uh, watching the races. Uh, your mom, you know, is going to nah, be watching mom, the races. My mom don't understand oh. what about, like, she don't know what running is, I mean, like, Last time I went into uh, was the Olympic, I told her uh, I'm going to compete at the Olympic. She said, what is that? She don't know. And, yeah, she don't know about running. She know only, like, maybe about football a little bit, but she don't know about running. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So perhaps she's just thinking, like, you are running, chasing wins. She thinks I'm playing football. That, that's it. <laughs> playing football. Oh, wow. Yeah. But anyway, I'm pretty sure that you perhaps have a special message you know because voice of america we've got a lot of listeners from around the world including africa yeah and there are sudanese people also watching these races and there are some of your brothers and cousins you know what message you do like to tell these uh, people first of all just i want to say thank you to everybody who been like um supporting me uh, around the world uh and i say thank you to my coach my team my coach Yuval and my sponsor own and IOC thank you for those who they put the, their own energy and 
World Athletics. And last but not least, um, the, my house, uh, my family in, uh, in Israel. Um, Hilia Benoit, Azaf Rose, those people, like, they put me on the real position. They told me every day, man, let's go out and do that thing to become better man. And yeah, I really appreciate all of the support. My name is Jamal Abdul Majid, and I'm running for refugee team. And you're listening to the sunny side of sport. Thanks, Jamal. And thanks to Prince Nesta for that interview. Prince and Jamal spoke in the northwest U.S. city of Eugene, Oregon, the venue for this year's World Athletics Championships. The world's number one ranked golfer, Scotty Scheffler of the USA, has a big lead after the first round of the Tour Championship in Atlanta, Georgia. George McNeely reports from Atlanta. Masters champion Scotty Scheffler finished opening round play with back-to-back-to-back birdies and leads the Tour Championship by five shots. I played some tremendous golf this year at times, and overall I've had you know what I feel like is a great year, and um, just going to try and keep it rolling this week. As the top seed in the FedEx Cup, Scheffler began the day with a two-shot lead and led by as many as six strokes on the front nine. At one point, his lead was cut to only two before finishing strong with three consecutive birdies. It's probably a good idea. He had no idea. No, I I really didn't pay much attention to the leaderboard. I I know that I got off to a pretty good start today and Patrick kind of struggled, so I figured there was maybe a lead just because he was the closest one to me, I think. Um, But after that, I didn't really pay much attention to what was going on. I was just trying to go out and shoot a good number. Scheffler's 5 under par 65 ties the largest lead since starting strokes were implemented in 2019. Oh yeah, starting strokes. They're provided only in this finale. Scheffler began with 10 of them, so he's 15 under par and five shots ahead of Olympic champion Xander Schauffele, who fired a 4 under par 66. Xander stands at 10 under par. U.S. Open winner Matt Fitzpatrick is minus nine entering round two. With a six under par 64 on Thursday, he started three under. Also shooting six under par, Joaquin Neiman of Chile. He began the day at minus two. He's tied for fourth place at eight under par with Patrick Cantlay, last week's winner in Delaware. Cantlay began as second seed at eight under par. He's still in contention, despite shooting an even par 70 in the opening round. I know it's a lot to follow, so let's end with an understanding that $18 million first prize is on the line, and a guy who won four times this season, including the Masters, Scotty Scheffler, takes a five-shot lead heading into round two. From the Tour Championship, in Atlanta, Georgia, for the sunny side of sports, I'm George McNeely. Thanks, George. The AP's Bruce Morton has some pro basketball and U.S. Open tennis news for us. Tennis, Serena Williams has indicated next week's U.S. Open will be her final tournament. The 40-year-old will draw unseated Donka Kovinic of Montenegro. And three-time U.S. Open champ Novak Djokovic will not play in the tournament because he is not vaccinated against COVID-19. 
Pro Basketball, Oklahoma City forward Chet Holmgren, the second overall pick in the NBA draft, will miss the upcoming season because of a right foot injury. He was hurt while playing in a Pro-Am game last weekend in Seattle. Bruce Morton. Thanks, Bruce. English Premier League football. Chelsea's new Senegalese defender is off to what VOA's Gwen Uden describes as a bit of a roller coaster start. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. 31-year-old Khalidu Koulibaly is widely regarded as one of the best center backs in football. And last month, the Senegalese defender left Serie A club Napoli on a four-year contract with Chelsea. The deal comes after years of speculation and failed attempts. And while several high-profile teams had reportedly kept tabs on Koulibaly throughout the years, he revealed his eyes were set on only one club. And why Chelsea? I think because uh, it's the, the only club who wanted really that I come. We had the first link in 2015, I think, when Conte came. They wanted me to, to come here. It uh, it didn't happen, but uh, I was always linked uh, to Chelsea, and uh, this time uh, the the time was good. Everything was was in the 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 stars was in the good uh, good line. So I came here, and I'm really happy to to join Chelsea. The moment was now. Maybe before nobody was ready. Maybe the club didn't from Napoli didn't want me to come. Even I, I'm not a player who likes to go fighting with my club to, to leave. I have a lot of respect for, for the owner, for the, for the supporters. And I never fight with my club to, to go out. So, but I think that this time was, a, was the, the, the good time to, to leave Napoli. In early August, Koulibaly posted a clip on social media of a phone call he made last month to soccer legend John Terry. Terry is the most decorated player at Stamford Bridge and one of the greatest English defenders to ever play the game. He wore the number 26 jersey at Chelsea from 1998 until his departure in 2017. And no one has worn the number since. Until now, that July conversation was of Koulibaly asking Terry for permission to inherit his old jersey number, a call John Terry initially thought was a prank. At the beginning, he didn't, uh, he didn't uh, believe that it was me. He <laughs> believed that it was a joke. So he put out the, the phone and called first uh, like the team manager to ask if it's really me. And after I asked him, like, uh, respectfully, um, that uh, I wanted to take his jersey, his number, I know that uh, it's a number for him very important, and it's also also for me very important number because I took it directly when I uh, when I went to to Napoli, and I wanted to keep it for here in Chelsea. Needless to say, Terry, who is now back with Chelsea as a part-time coaching consultant, was more than happy for Koulibaly to wear the number 26. And Chelsea fans are also more than happy to have him join the club. The team was under pressure to strengthen their defense following the transfers of centre-backs Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger. In Koulibaly, Chelsea has an authoritative leader who is sure to bring his 
his signature dominance to every game. Koulibaly calls playing in the Premier League a dream come true and says he's highly motivated to show Chelsea and the world what he can do. I want to, to show everybody that, uh, that uh, Chelsea make the, the good choice with me. So I'm really easy. I want, I want to, to start to, to play, to, to show everybody that I'm, I was ready to, to play in Premier League and to show that the, the supporters of Chelsea, the, that they, they can have confidence with me. For the moment, I'm really easy. I think about uh, game after game, preparing to help the team that uh, if, the, if the coach gives me the opportunity to, to start, I will give everything for, for the team and for the supporters that uh, they will be happy. Koulibaly also responded to comments made by Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis, who recently announced his club will no longer sign African players unless they agree not to play in the Africa Cup of Nations. As captain of Senegal, I think that uh, is not the, the good way to speak about an African national team, but I respect what he think. If he think that uh, the team uh, can play without African player, it's up to him. But I think not everybody have the same uh, idea as him in the club because I know everybody over there. I know the, the supporters, and the supporters don't think like this. Nobody can, uh, I think, can tell me to don't go for my national team. I have a lot, uh, lot of love for my national team, for my country, for the people that I play for. So. If somebody tell me to don't go for, for my national team, I think that it's the only, only time that I can fight for with somebody. Now with Chelsea, the Senegalese captain has reunited on the pitch with goalkeeper and national teammate Edouard Mendy and former Napoli midfielder Jorginho. However, his Premier League debut has been a bit of a roller coaster. After scoring the opening goal in his first at-home league match against Tottenham, last weekend Koulibaly was sent off late in the game against Leeds United. He was issued the first of two Two yellow cards for a shirt tug in the opening minutes of the match. Then he was shown a second yellow card for pulling down an opponent in the 85th minute and given his marching orders. Chelsea suffered a humiliating 3-0 defeat to Leeds and they've slipped to 12th place in Premier League standings. Koulibaly will now miss their next league match when Chelsea hosts Leicester City on Saturday. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. And that wraps up the August 26th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in and have a nice weekend. I'm VOA Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the Sunny 